And we're back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Blurred Life with my wife. It is your boy Marshall yet again in the studio with my lovely, lovely lady. Hello, it's Courtney. Hey, baby. Why are you talking like that? I don't know. But <laughs> I just didn't want to start the show off as monotone as I generally do. Okay. So I was like, if I change my levels, then I won't sound so monotone. Indubitably. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back, everybody. It's nice to be here, back here in lovely and humid and muggy Pennsylvania on a uh, August morning. Um, I think we're pretty much caught up to semi-current recording schedule. True. I mean, you probably have heard where we're like numbering the episodes and stuff like that, which was dumb because we like pre-recorded them and then recorded some other stuff and put those out before then. So we will not be doing that, I think, any longer. Um, But also we pretty much caught up with all the stuff we pre-recorded. Also, I would like to take the time out to make some corrections. If you have heard our last episode, um, I said some things. Uh, in particular about like a billion dollars being a million, a million dollars. It's not, it's a thousand million dollars. Um, so yeah, there was that, you know, sorry, I was being dumb. And then additionally, unfortunately, we were talking about like getting, um, someone to design our, I guess, logo or whatever you'd like to call it, our header, uh, which we did have someone do it. Um, if you go check our Instagram, I think the first post, um, we tagged the person who actually, you know, made the drawing for us, but we had said how, you know, awesome it would be if Marcus Prime would do it. And of course, you know, famous last words, I said, yes, an unproblematic fave. Well, it has come to light that that is incorrect. He is very problematic. Problematic as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that great? You know, just can't, you know, can't give these people out here an inch because they'll take a mile and send women unsolicited pictures of their genitalia and then when they block them still harass them via text so fun how the mighty have fallen it's annoying as fuck i was just like "Hmm." we can't have shit like we actually because it happened a couple weeks ago when i found out that he was problematic and then we listened back to that episode and i was like oh haha made to be a liar thanks so yeah just a quick update. So, I mean, things happened the way they were supposed to happen. Obviously, we got the uh, fantastic artist that we did get to do our uh, to do our album art, to our podcast art and logo. So, um, big ups to Well, not to them. the logo part, at least not the typography. That was no, no, else, yeah. But, um, but the, uh, the album art was done by one artist, and then we had the logo done by another artist. Um, well, it's not so much a logo, but he did the typography for... Well, listen, Miss Art Degree, I don't know all of these things. Thank, thank you for correcting me. I appreciate it. What are we talking about this week? Well, today, um, I think you had uh, decided to take the reins, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I've been um, j- just a uh, like minor house cleaning, um, housekeeping, but just I've been doing a lot of um, stuff that I've been wanting to do for a while. Like, I finally started playing the original Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, the uh, Definitive Edition was released for Nintendo Switch, so I've been on that. Um, I started dabbling in Final Fantasy XIV again, 
And um, just recently, I started dabbling in Star Wars The Old Republic again, which, you know, are two of my favorite MMOs as well. So mm-hmm. um, just living my best game in life, you know, um, working. And uh, we're still in a pandemic. We're still quarantined, you know, certain things we have to miss. Cause... Well, yeah, there's not too much that's going to change on a weekly basis, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, people may not listen to the episodes in order, you know. Oh, that's true. Quote unquote, because you know our time warps and all this stuff. But um, so yeah, I've been really, really happy with that. Um, today's episode is going to be a dual review and discussion of um the levels are really high today. I don't know. I'll have to fix that in post. Uh, today's a dual review and discussion for two PlayStation exclusives that I've been able to finish here during quarantine in the past month or so. And the first one is The Last of Us Part Two, um, the long-awaited sequel to um, Spoiler Alert to our Game Changers episode, the my favorite game of all time, The Last of Us. Uh, so we were waiting seven years for that. Um, Last of Us came out in 2013, so we finally got the long-awaited sequel and follow-up. Uh, aptly titled part two to the last of us and i also was able to complete ghost of sushima from uh sucker punch studios another playstation exclusive and uh we're gonna talk about those talk about uh you know the games and um courtney you were able to watch a very large um portion of the last of us part two yeah i mean well do what which which one do you want to go through first we could talk about I guess The Last of Us Part 2, because that would be the one that I would have the most input on. Um, and go from there. Okay. So, talk to me about how you felt about The Last of Us Part 2. So, I mean, I think by now, of course, whoever was going to play it, who is a, a quote-unquote serious gamer, has played it. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, so, as far games. as... Um, so, as far as the game and watching you play... I thought overall it was a good game. Uh, I was pretty engaged. However, I would say, I don't know, maybe in my old age I'm getting soft or something like that, but I, um, it really not emotionally affected me, but I guess maybe more so like physically, like just because of all the stuff that was going on and like, <laughs> I hate to say it like this because I love like blood and gore and violence, but the level of violence and just like, I guess like the surprise stuff with like, clickers Jump scares and the other and... yeah yeah and the other things um popping out and stuff like that just like i felt like my blood pressure was up the whole time all the time mm-hmm. you know with anticipation of stuff happening and like there was a certain point where i was like i had to tap out i was like yeah i can't i can't do this man i feel like i'm on the edge of my seat all the time like i feel like my blood is rushing through my body and I'm, my blood pressure is high just i couldn't stick it out through the whole thing um I think the part where I tapped out was when, again, spoiler alert, I don't know how many more times we could say this, like this, come on, but um, when you started playing as uh, Abby, mm-hmm. and then conveniently came back in after you stopped playing as Abby, um, which yeah, I'm not mad at. Yeah, you came back, and I was already back to uh, Ellie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, and I can't say that I'm mad at it. Um, I'm glad that I missed that part to a certain extent. I mean, I know there was probably a lot of stuff in there that helped, like, develop the story and develop her character and, and shit, but... Um, yeah, so missed out on that part, came back in when we were back with Ellie. Um, like I said, overall... 
I enjoyed it, but I mean, the ending, I mean, what more can you say? It was disappointing as fuck, especially if you're looking for retribution on our protagonist side. And I, and I do get, you know, how they were trying to show that Abby is somebody else's protagonist, but that doesn't, I mean, that didn't mean anything to me. Um, and then in like watching or listening to the reviews and stuff like that, and people were breaking down how um, it was Naughty Dog, right? Mm-hmm. How Naughty Dog was, I guess, trying to give you a different perspective and have some empathy for her because, you know, as much as she killed Ellie's father figure, Joel, Joel killed her father, you know, and all the stuff that she had to go through and, you know, the the wars that, you know, they were fighting in their own, you know, little... I don't want to say village, but their own part of their, their world that they were building and stuff like that. Right. And, then, and again, and in, in that setting, she was a protagonist, but I mean, that didn't, and, and while Marshall was playing, I was like, that don't mean shit to me. Like, girl, you killed Joel. I get why you killed Joel because he killed your father. Cool. Understand that. I don't take anything away from you that, however, you killed our Joel. So just as much as you were hell bent on finding him, you we're about to be hell bent on finding you girl. Like, and I don't give a shit about you. Oh, we let you go and you wasted it. We let you live and all that kind of shit. No bitch. You're like, you should understand just as how you was hell bent on finding us to kill Joel. Like what's the confusion here? You got to go. And it just so happens that you had a whole bunch of friends that was helping you. You dummy. That's where they gotta go too. Yeah, I think with um, the Last of Us, like I've heard all the think pieces. I've read all the, uh, I've read all the the, the op eds and the, you know the the video essays of why this game sucked and you know why they mishandled the characters and blue blue blah blah boo hoo, ha ha like all it. I've I've read it all and I think it was important to me to take some time before touching on this on the show because the the last of us as a series is just such a gut-wrenchingly emotional experience i yeah. think you know particularly for the last of us part two like courtney like she legit was like yeah i'm going to sleep like i i don't like i can't i can't do this and then you know go throughout my daily life with different stresses and and um, different triggers and things like that. And I think that that's completely reasonable. I, I understand people who feel that way because I experienced to hear in my own household. I'm not going to invalidate that or, you know, or make that feeling that it invokes smaller. I think as a piece of art, it did. It was meant to invoke certain things. But I specifically took my time to get my feelings and thoughts together um, before just coming on the show like oh what was what was your you know your first you know uh first response or something like that but i mean i think overall the problem with the last of us even though it's still a transcendent gaming experience and game um i just think people's main problem with it is that it could have been better if there were if there were just a few decisions made in another way or another take on you know even similar like i i love the last of us like don't get me wrong um it's very easily in my top probably 20 15 20 games of all time the last of us part two is um but i said in our in our in our game changers episode like i didn't expect it to end well and um anyone who knows me knows that 
I didn't expect it to be better than The Last of Us. Um, even with the changes that I think that they could have made to make it better, I'm still not positive that the game would have been better than its predecessor because I'm not sure that there's any way to improve upon that. The the achievement that they that they made with The Last of Us is generational. Um, and I don't even mean just in a generation of video games, like video game consoles or things like that. I, that's not what I mean by generational, generational, but the achievement that they achieved was generational in a sense of media, like a Tolkien, like a, like a, like a JK Rowling with Potter. You know what I mean? Like these are what they achieved was for me, the greatest piece of, of gaming media of all time. So no, there was not going to be a way for uh, Neil Druckmann, the writer and director, and and Haley Gross, who uh, who Neil brought on to to write the Last of Us Part Two. There, I mean, there was almost no way for them to improve upon what they had already achieved. So I think that my expectations were a little bit, in my mind, a little bit more realistic. With that said, it still could have been a better game. I think. Let's let let's 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 discuss because Courtney, you um, tapped out at the end or towards the very end of Ellie's um, first three days in Seattle, mm-hmm. um, and this is a game where a lot of people felt that the narrative structure was uh, not well done, as to where you played the first three days or you played the three days in Seattle through Ellie, and then smack dab in the middle you're getting to the 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 zenith or the the high point of Ellie's story and then they jarringly switch your perspective and go back in time and walk you through the same three days of time as Abby mm-hmm. so in your mind Courtney what could have been done in that situation or, or with that narrative structure to improve upon the last of us because you you did come back and watch like we watched like the cutscenes and things like that yeah um just so that you would have a um you know a a good grasp on the story i mean i don't think as a i guess as a literary literary device that it was bad um the only in retrospect or hindsight i guess you could say uh well not hindsight but well yeah hindsight or in retrospect um you could say the only reason why i would see that this would be beneficial is if since we know at the end ellie lets abby uh and the little scar boy go Mm -hmm. um the only reason why beneficial to me is if we're building up a rapport with abby because now the last of us is going to follow abby and the little scar boy i forget his name what was his name lev lev as in so just so i'm clear so you're saying that in retrospect uh, it would have been different if The Last of Us Part 3 is going to be following Abby and Lev. Well, so, so my point is that without thinking about that, I don't see the benefit. Mm. And so that would be the only benefit for me for them to have done that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be like, that's what I'm surmising is is going to happen. But otherwise, I mean, I see where people are coming from just because on my end, it's like there's really no need because I guess I, I, guess I get you're trying to do something I don't want to say cute, but kind of like you're trying to do something cute here with this. But we didn't ask for it for one. Uh, and for two, I don't really see how it helped to advance the story. 
as far as us taking control of Abby and running through yeah, the days. Yeah, I don't Abby. see what it yeah. had to do to, to advance the story. It didn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. It just said, well, this is how Abby got here. But that's not necessary for us to enjoy the story and for the story to be told. Because if that was the case, then we would play as every freaking antagonist. They got, how did this antagonist get here before we were put in this situation? Like, it's not, it's not necessary. And I mean, I guess I get it that she is the, you know, the main antagonist because she killed Joel. But I don't know. I just thought it was to a certain extent useless you know it gave for i guess i didn't see it of course but i gave i guess it gave for good gameplay and like suspense and things like that as you're playing you know you're they're still building upon this world and you get to see mechanics and stuff like that and what she's doing to get around and i think you guys got like a flamethrower and stuff like that so that's cool but also it's just like but it's not it's it's almost pointless towards the plot because it doesn't change me seeing this or whoever's the player seeing this doesn't change anything as far as the reality for ellie who is the main character who after you start playing as abby is going to go back and is still hell-bent on finding her and now killing her because well she didn't kill some more of your friends you know mm-hmm. so because ellie didn't get to see it we're just playing as Abby. So, I, I mean, I thought it was kind of pointless. I think the the only reason why they did it is to try and to try and fabricate an emotional connection to this character where it's like, so we already know Joel was not a good man, right? Right. Like, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. He, well, he wasn't a good man. And I firmly believe that you can be a bad person who is good to certain people. That mm-hmm. doesn't make you not a bad person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That means there may be certain people that you care about that you treat well, but everybody else, if you treat them like shit, you're still a bad person, you know? So you trying to illustrate that, yes, Joel did this horrible thing and he did a whole bunch of other horrible things in pursuit of his own ends or other people's ends or just for, you know, the benefit of the small number of people that he cares about. And you need to see this so that you can get perspective. It's like, we already have perspective on that. We we played as him or, you know, played the whole thing in the first, The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to show, I guess, the opposite of Abby is not the worst person. She may have, be a bad person to you, but she is a good person or whatever, you know, trying to show the converse of that. Mm-hmm. I just thought, I don't, I didn't, I didn't see the necessity of it. And it's like, are we trying to give people like, lessons in morality through gaming which i guess you can you know it probably be would be a good medium to try but in this particular case it's like it was just misplaced i guess so and then also anybody who's playing this game should already be to a certain age where you've already developed a sense of morality so having like lessons about it in a video game that is a sequel to a game that already blurred the lines between like moral and immoral I don't know. I just thought, not that it was tacky, but just like, again, what's the point? You know, what what is really the point? Because again, like I said, it didn't really further the story. You were essentially in a standstill because now I've already done played these three days and now I'm seeing what she was doing these three days, which didn't really amount to much because then you see like the head of the whatever their group is called and they're trying to mount an attack on an island and stuff like that. And, but all of that really has nothing to do with Ellie. So it's like, you've got this whole side story that doesn't really like barely goes to any sort of fruition. So what's the mm-hmm. point of me even seeing this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that you made excellent points 
for me, playing through the game as Ellie and then playing through the game as Abby, like you're absolutely right. There's when you're playing through a game and a half with a with a with a character, deviating from that character for any point in time is always going to feel like a side a side mission. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's always going to feel like okay, well, when are we getting back to this character that I've grown to know and love, right? I can only imagine how exhausting it is because, like, what is it? The same amount of hours that you played as Ellie to get to a point, now we've got to recycle that and play as Abby. It's like, what the fuck? I was just here, literally, like, three days prior. We're running through this again as someone that I don't fucking care about. So now I'm already exhausted. Like, well, I think, excuse me, I think the, um, I think the gameplay device that they were going for, not only from a narrative standpoint, but from a, a, you know, interactivity standpoint is perspectives. Um, not only does Abby play different from Ellie, she's much stronger. She's much more physically capable. Um, she's, you know, got different weapons and different skills and different skill trees. So I'm not going to say that that wasn't interesting or, that I felt like there wasn't any worth to it because from a gameplay perspective, I think that Abby's section of the game was frankly better, um, frankly more exciting. Um, the 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 enemies that she fought are are in my mind, you know, m- much more sad. Like there's a boss fight in Abby's section of the story that you know I, I just don't see how Ellie could have how how she could have won, and it was just a really good fight. Now was it some straight out of Resident Evil shit? Absolutely. But this is a survival horror horror game and we've been conditioned to these things for, you know, generations now. So I didn't feel like it was out of place at all. But frankly, I enjoyed and I think I end up liking Abby more than I liked Ellie. And I think a part of that is because what they tried to do with her story and what they tried to do with the perspective presented by playing her was not so much of of get me to empathize like she's still going to be the one that killed Joel. But I think my expectations, like I said, when I came in, like I didn't expect Joel to make it out of this game. What at like at no point whatsoever did was I like, okay, at the end of this game, Joel and Ellie are gonna ride off into the sunset to their next adventure. Like, no, I was like thinking back and in the seven years in between The Last of Us, like Joel killed like in, in truly naughty dog fashion. Like it's possible Joel could have killed like thousands of people. Like legit. Like I mean, just just in the hospital alone, like he went through at least 40 to 40 to 60 people. I mean, and and, and if this world is truly realized and if their commitment to the world is truly realized, then, you know, I I was talking to you, babe, about after I finished the game about that Tupac lyric, like like it's always going to be some get back. It's always going to be like some some young buck that I roughed up way back. Like it's always you're never going to be cool because when you take lives like somebody is affected there's a there's a domino effect so when joel died um in the beginning of the game it wasn't as jarring to me like i'm like okay cool i thought that i thought it was set up well you know you take over as abby in the beginning of the game cool like all right bet oh okay so we're meeting joel and tommy now and it turns out that they that that's who they was looking for but the coincidences and the way that they happened I mean, it is it is is life. Like sometimes shit just happens that way. And should Joel have been more cautious? Should he have been more careful after just surviving with you know out the skin of his teeth with a huge zombie horde? Maybe. But also, he's been living in relative peace and tranquility for the past four years in Jackson, just watching his his adopted daughter grow up. And maybe they were estranged, but he still got to be there 
And if I'm not mistaken, Ellie lived in his backyard. So it's like the think pieces that I've read and that I've that I've seen about how, you know, Joel's death wasn't earned and, you know, he would have never put himself in that situation. Like as hardened as you can become, you can you can soften as well. Mm. So I don't really see that as some, you know, some huge narrative betrayal of Joel's character or his characterization. Because, well, yeah. I mean, and I'm never. Old. Yeah, he was getting. No, I'm, I'm never going to know Joel better than the guy who invented him. You know what I mean? Like, so Joel's not mine. You know what I mean? He's not my he's somebody that I look up to. He's somebody that I, you know, uh, went through a part of my life. And like I said, I was having a conversation with some friends and, and the question of, um, I think a kind kind of funny did a, uh, a, a podcast and, and they gave the game of the year of 2013. I think one of the hosts gave it to Grand Theft Auto five and the other host gave it to the last of us for releasing in 2013. And, and my response to that is Grand Theft Auto was great. The Last of Us was great. Grand Theft Auto changed games. You know what I mean? They're still releasing it. It's going to come out on PlayStation 5. But The Last of Us changed me in a sense that I, my experience with that game changed the way that I look at, expect games to be when it comes to serious narrative-driven adventures or, or stories. So growing up, the past seven years, I was 25 when The Last of Us came out. And I'm not going to say I was immature, but I was much more idealistic. But growing up since that time, I'm 32 now, there's no way Joel makes it out of The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, so yeah. the lead up to the game for me was just like, how's Joel going to die? Yeah. Or when's Joel going to die? And what's going to happen with that? And then with the with the publishers and 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 the and the writers and the, and the the lead up to the game and all the E3s and the PlayStation experiences and things like that talking about The Last of Us being a game about rage, uh The Last of Us 2 being a game about rage, The Last of Us Part 1's theme being love and The Last of Us Part 2's theme being rage. So I'm like, okay, Joel's going to get banged. And the game is going to be about the revenge or Ellie being, you know, out to get revenge. And then you see, you know, the the previews and the gameplay trailers and and, and things of that nature. And and like I said, I, I'm just simply not surprised. I don't think that they betrayed the characters. And The Last of Us made me think a lot about as 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 a as a as an entity as a game in its totality after finishing it, it made me think a lot about Face Off because in Face Off, this is like a 1990s John Woo action film starring um, Nicolas Cage, who we know you love, and John Travolta. And in this this film, if if you haven't seen it, spoilers, but the John Travolta character is playing this FBI agent, straight shooter, you know, family man. Nicolas Cage plays this anarchic terrorist type. And in order to stop this plan that Nicolas Cage put in motion before he went into a coma because John Travolta captured him, but he's in, he's comatose. They find out that he has these bombs that are set to go off. And the only way for Nick, uh, for John Travolta to find these bombs is to physically take Nicolas Cage's face, transplant it onto his own and go undercover as Nicolas Cage into his 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 underworld, his friends, his family, and try to find out where they hid these bombs. And I'm playing The Last of Us Part Two, and, and the jarring switch comes mid-game from Ellie to Abby, and I'm just sitting here thinking, like, face off, because it gives it incited the same feelings to me. Caster Troy, who is Nicolas Cage's character, was fleshed out. He was a bad dude. He was a terrorist. He was an anarchist. He was a 
you know, he 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 was a he was a bad dude, but he had friends, he had family, he had a kid, you know, he had uh, a chick that loved him. Um, and you know, and of course, further on in the movie, Nicolas Cage wakes up and he then ends up taking John Travolta's face and going into his family and and his friends and seeing how how these how these people and what they've come from and what makes them tick was vital to that film. And I feel like I had the same feeling with The Last of Us Part Two because seeing things not only from Abby's perspective but through her experience gave me a deeper appreciation for what they were trying to do narratively. Courtney's absolutely right. Playing as Abby and her story doesn't actually advance Ellie's story. It doesn't. But that's not the story that they were trying to tell, in my opinion. They weren't trying to tell the story of Ellie and Joel anymore, evidenced by the fact that Joel's gone within the first two hours of the, of the game. This story is more about the world of The Last of Us. They did a lot more world building in this game was to where... The Last of Us Part 1 was much more focused. It was much more of a character study on these two characters and their inter um, interactivity with each other and the growth of their relationship and how it was tested and, and what they were able to do to achieve, you know, the, 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 the point that they were able to get to at The Last of Us um, as to where Joel made that heinous decision that a lot of people would agree was justified and they would make the same decision. Like, what would you do? Would you sacrifice possibly the lives of millions of people or this one person whom you love? Um, and that was the decision that Joel made. But with that said, you know, there's always going to be those millions of people that might want to get some get back. And one of the thing pieces that I did watch was how, you know, even in the hands of the fireflies, a cure may not have been, you know, the, the most altruistic thing. I mean, somebody's going to try to take advantage of of it people are people so in, in joel's mind them having a cure may not have actually saved humanity and may have put it in more peril i mean and that's just one take which could be possible or, or may not be possible but i think my ultimate feelings of the last of us part two is that it's a worthy successor but it's not a better successor which i'm fine with because like i said i never thought that they would be able to achieve anything greater than what they did that was their blueprint that was their that was their opus. That was their what's what's the Latin term? Magnum opus for like the 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 best. Correct me if I'm wrong. No. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but that was their, you know, that 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 was their crowning achievement. So for me to expect that, you know, every character would be served and every storyline would be perfect and. You know, it's still an, a still a brilliantly written game, but it could have been better as to where the original Last of Us, I look back, I mean, unless you let Joel go prone as far as the gameplay tech technique, you look back at The Last of Us and I just don't see what they could have done better. And The Last of Us Part 2, there are some things that I think, like, for example, I think that the story and the narrative would have been more interesting if they flip-flopped between the days with Ellie and Abby. For me, I think that would have been, in my mind, better because it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been that jarring. Like, oh, okay, I'm already almost finished the game. Almost all of my all of my um, skill trees are maxed out. Oh, wait, and now I have to stop all of my progress on Ellie and go back three days and start completely what over. What would you do? Like, was Ellie Abby. is done with the day and she goes to sleep? Wake up as Abby? Yeah, that, yeah, like, like that. you know, the day one is over with Ellie. They're going to sleep, or you know, they reach the the you know the 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 climax of of that day one journey and then yeah you wake up as abby and you start her day one and then you flip flop and i think you could have still built tension throughout the story and actually i think you probably could have spent more tension 
with throughout this story because now you're only going back one that day. That would have been a good device too if somehow you could also put if even if they intersected in weird ways the gameplay from Ellie if she, if they were to intersect in the background of the gameplay of Abby too like just let's say there was at one point where they crossed paths but they didn't realize it. Right, like, yeah, absolutely. That me? And like, like yo, know. that's that's Ellie in the background like damn, the bitch don't even see me. Like yeah. I think that would have been very much more um engaging uh naughty dog or anyone else if you're listening you take this i would definitely like my credit bitch uh like monetarily thank you amazing i, I mean and I, I agree with you 100 percent. and i think a game that did that well um that didn't come out too long ago actually and i didn't get a chance to play it but i understand that this was part of it was devil may cry 5 there are there are stages in devil may cry 5 where you can actually see in the background one of the other characters that you play as doing their thing and like fighting and, and doing stuff. Like if you look like over on the next, on the next building on, on the roof, you can see them mm-hmm. while you're in the foreground doing your thing. And I think that would have been so cool to see how these characters that are, you know, Ellie being so hell bent on revenge and so this, that, and the third against Abby, just seeing Abby like right out of your reach. Yeah doing her thing on that day like i think that would have been so cool and 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 courtney you you seem to have a a similar thought with that as as far as even going back to the uh the the idea of them you know them being in the same frame yeah i mean like i said i thought it was a good game i don't think that I think it was still a story about Ellie. And the only reason why I say that is because if we're talking about, okay, this is, I guess the last was supposed to be um, a theme of love and the last was part two supposed to be a theme of rage. I think it was a study on her grappling with her rage. And there was a certain points where she lost hold of it uh, and she was forced to take, take back up that mantle again. I just think the culmination of it was, I don't know, it was kind of lackluster and cheap. But again, that just happens to be my take on it and mm-hmm. me putting my personality on it. Because my thing is, you've done all of this, right? You've you've already done all of this. I mean, there's always a point where you can turn back, right? And you can repent and you don't have to be an asshole or a sinner or whatever you want to call it all the way through. But to a certain extent, it's like, finish what you came to do. And she didn't finish what she came to do. And it's like, oh, she let go of it and... You know, she allowed them to leave and that was like a good decision. It's like, but was it a good decision? Because she had already lost her family, a a good portion of her friends in this pursuit. You know, like to me, she might as well have just killed her. Yeah, I'm not I'm not adverse to that opinion because I think that's what a lot of people um, and, and, and to an extent, that's what I wanted as well. Like, all right, you know, like you've you've just given up your family. You know what I mean? Like Gave you, up her fingers. You were on the farm. You were with Dina, the object of your affection for many years. There was a lot of subtext to their relationship as to where they were friends for a long time, but Ellie always had the hots for Dina. She always had like this huge crush, and Dina was doing out, out doing her thing with Jesse and whoever else that she wanted, but they were still friends, but she always had a crush on Dina. So you've spent all this time fawning over this 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 girl, this woman, and you have her. And Jesse, unfortunately, uh, took a bullet to the head from Abby, so he's no longer in the picture. The baby, JJ, is, you know, named after Joel and Jesse. Uh, we don't know which name came first. But you have the life. You she, she has her farmhouse. Y'all are doing it. And you have everlasting effects. You have your PTSD. You have your episodes. And that's completely understandable. But 
Ellie, girl, you had you had the dream. Yeah. You were living the dream and you willingly gave it up. And then you get there, you're injured, you're beat down, you're downtrodden, you're exhausted. You lose two fingers, your guitar strumming fingers. Now you can't even connect with Joel anymore through the music that he taught you to play. Because throughout the game, that was very much, she would sit down and she would think about Joel and she would play something. And that was like its own little mini game. People have been doing really awesome things with that. But it's like, Ellie, girl, you gave up everything. Everything. You lost everything. And, and then you didn't even. came back home with nothing to nothing. Didn't even kill her. That was my whole thing. It's just like. Dana, go it, on. That didn't seem realistic to me. Like, especially if you're in the throes of rage and stuff. Like, I, I mean, it just didn't seem realistic to me. And I didn't feel like it really flushed out that part of the human condition. And I think that's why I disagreed with you about uh, not so much being about Ellie anymore, but being about, I guess, whatever. I thought the whole game was about her and especially how they brought it back to her and her still pursuing Abby after she said that she wouldn't or she was going to give it up for Dina and the baby, you know, completing something that she started and then not doing so i mean it would have been a whole different like can you imagine the the afterwards of this and then like she gets back to the house and dina's gone and the baby's gone and maybe she goes into town every once in a while and they meet up and maybe they decide to have a drink or talk and be like did you get your revenge and it's like no and then like if i were dina i'd slug her like i'd slap her in the face like i'd fight this bitch i'd be like you gave up our family to go get your revenge and then you didn't even get your revenge at the very least we could have talked about you getting your revenge and saying man i you know was it worth it and you know whatever like i'm i'm, I'm glad you got to get it blah blah blah. but then you talk about i'd oh i let her go so it's not even a question of was it worth it it clearly was not yeah dina should be very uh she should feel very disrespected if they were ever to talk again like i don't know if they're gonna make a last of us part three i obviously would like them to just to continue the 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 world and and things like that i feel like if they were to make a last of us part three ellie would be in it for maybe like an hour or two i think they should move on to greener pastures because you know i guess the anthology is done i think both of the games were good games. I was disappointed in the ending, but not enough to be like, this game was trash. Fuck everything. Like, you know, I I just thought it wasn't it wasn't a Game of Thrones disappointment. You know, no, it no, wasn't that. No, absolutely not. But I think they should just move on to greener, greener pastures. Do something, do something else mm-hmm. excellently. Yeah, do something different. Well, I mean, they could do a new IP. Or well, one of the other things that I can't move forward without um, recognizing is the is the presence that Lev brought to Abby's story as well. And I know that you weren't particularly watching this part, babe. So um, Lev being the Ellie's version of Abby, or excuse me, Abby's version of Ellie, basically. Like if if Abby is Joel, then Lev is 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 her Ellie because she meets this kid and 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 his sister, and she feels an instant kinship with them, and she wants to help them. And they're they're enemies. They're you know they're Lev and and his sister Yara are from the Scars, the Seraphites, who are the opposing faction to the Wolves that Abby represents and and you know fights for. But you know these two kids are out there. They're estranged from the Seraphites, and they end up teaming up. And throughout Abby's story, there really was shades of the first Last of Us in the sense that these two characters start out not trusting each other, but knowing that they need each other for for something and then the relationship as it grew was really 
beautiful to see. And, and of course, there was representation there from the um, from the trans community. Um, Lev being a, correct me if I'm wrong, babe, the trans man. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so he was a trans man. And uh, the reason that they were uh, estranged from the Seraphites was because of that, because uh, Lev wanted to, to, to essentially be himself. And in the Seraphites, there were already these predetermined roles for people in the society. So basically, when Lev cut his hair off and wanted to be a warrior, they basically kicked him the fuck out and were hunting him. And Yara, his sister, you know, of course, went with them. So I, I definitely have to, you know, of course, I'm, I'm not a member of the LGBTQ uh, community or or anything of that nature so there have been other thing pieces about how the the trans character was mistreated or misused and you know i i leave those opinions to those more able but for me as a as a heterosexual man just you know coming for entertainment purposes i do appreciate what they were able to do and i do understand some of the information that i've read whereas like you know the the trans community felt like there was the transness of this character was used as a plot device for conflict. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's a valid, that's a valid reason to be upset. So I, I can't really say anything toward that, but as far as the story and the narrative, I think it was nicely done how much respect that Abby had given to Lev about, you know, his identity and, you know, calling him the right names and, and, you know, yeah. um, I, I, I you know, I I don't want to move past without acknowledging that for fear of, you know, not only people feeling like I didn't think it was a big part of the game, which it was. And him and Lev as a character is obviously my one of my favorite characters. He was Abby's heart. He he essentially, like I said, gave Abby a humanization that she didn't have up to that point. And it was interesting seeing something very much like what we saw happen to Joel happened to Abby and it's just the inverse. It's this person who killed Joel, the the one that we have such this connection to, such this bond to, but to see that she is able to become humanized again after what she had done to us, the player, because a lot of people took her killing Joel personally, like, yo, how dare you kill Joel? Like, bitch, I'll never forgive you for this. Like, I'll like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, and, and this yeah. is real stuff. Like, you saw the video that we watched. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly see all the sides of that. I won't really comment um, just because, I mean, I don't want to. I, I get where people who are fully within the trans community would have, would take some issue with the way that they treated the character um, and as far as how they used love to making it so that it's a negative thing as opposed to a positive thing or just a thing that is a thing you know like just this is a part of life trans people are a part of life like you know they have they have their own struggles and and triumphs and things like that i think to a certain extent though it's one of those things where just like with movies or games and things like that you also have to suspend your disbelief and have to immerse yourself in the world Mm -hmm. i mean this is a brutal world to begin with Mm -hmm. so I mean, we're not really going to see too much of, oh, he's just a normal kid going to school, having a normal life. Like, I mean, there's going to be a certain level of savagery and brutality that's just going to be an everyday part of his life regardless. And so, you know, I, I guess I get, you know, well, his his family life doesn't have to be a part of it, but they're setting up a narrative of, the, look, this is the type of people these people are. They're, I mean, I would not be, I would not be 
surprised that there would be trans people within that community Mm -hmm. just as a as i would not be surprised if they were trans people a part of the wolf community and a part of ellie and joel's community in colorado and things Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. and not everybody is going to be positive about it so i think we also have to think about are we trying to show you a dystopian future that has a utopian mentality about things as far as gender gender identity misgendering people like that are we are we gonna say hey this is a dystopian future and everyone here is fucked up i mean if you think it's fucked up now in your reality how how much more fucked up do you think it's gonna be in the fucking future mm-hmm. where everybody is trying to live and not get mauled to death by basically zombies mm-hmm. you know i mean but you get to a point where you're still splitting hairs and then you start trying to you know mold things to fit your narrative so that's what i said i don't really want to get into it because you know you could have conversations for days about it and without sitting down and having an actual conversation with the people who develop the narrative and stuff like that mm-hmm. there's only but so far that you can get but i certainly get where they're coming from i don't so much get the anger from other people who are like mad that there was a transgendered person that was represented in in the game because mm-hmm. it's like people exist like what's the problem it's not uh, i don't know i don't get it but you know to each their own uh to a certain extent as long as you're not being not not even that I, I i don't like people who are transphobic or homophobic or racist and stuff like that like i mean i don't think that's very controversial but so i just think it it doesn't not that it doesn't make sense it makes sense why people are like that. That you know they don't like things that are different, but or people that are different. I should say. Yeah, I think that's. I, I I think I think your thought is well actualized. I think I understand what you're saying. Hopefully the listeners do as well. Well, yeah, but I, I get why people say that. I get why people will probably think like, how did that further along the story either? Because it could have just been a cisgendered boy or a cisgender girl. You know, it didn't have. To, but. Um, there were there were a lot of things that could have been fleshed out a lot better in this game. I think I think we can all agree about that. There's a lot of stuff in here that could have been fleshed out better, but also it's a game. You know, there's only but so unless you want to be playing this game for like thousands and thousands of hours of like actual gameplay and not just like, oh, I'm going back to do these things or just to run around like no, you need to play thousands of hours in order to finish this game because we have to show you the development of each of these characters' lives and things like that so that you know how they came here and they're just not being used as a construct to further along our agenda. I just think like we we've got to have some level of being realistic here, you know. We yeah. people do as as best as they can where they can further along the story in an enjoyable way and not have you sitting there growing old trying to, you know, do six books in three parts like a Tolkien story or something, you know. Yeah. Well, I I think I think that's a good place. I think we cover pretty much all the big yeah. stuff i mean gameplay wise like like i said before very very good game very tight controls beautiful i mean just immaculately gorgeous imagery um the there world were some weird glitches in there though well that yeah the, her arm yeah her, yeah that was that was one of the there were two main glitches that i found and i played this game for like 35 40 hours and one where she was reaching like you hit the button to open up the drawer and like her hand just stayed stuck to the drawer like you can move around the whole room but her hand was just like still on the drawer so it just stretched out across the room whatever and then another one where um the game just crashed on me like it just froze completely and i had to restart the app so i mean 
for that amount of playtime, those few glitches, I'm sure maybe some of them have already been patched out. But yeah, I mean, visually stunning, very tight gameplay. Like the the gameplay is what Courtney had to tap out on. I don't even. It wasn't even the story. It was just like the moment to moment, like interactions with the infected and or the. Um, it was just a the lot wolves. of um, stimuli for me, and mm-hmm. it wasn't so, right. It wasn't really the story. It was just because it's so many hours. It's not like watching a movie where it's like, okay, two hours and you're done. You can take a lot of that anxiety and suspense and stuff like that. When you're looking at something for stretches of hours and hours at a time, and it's still not done, it was just like. I felt like my body couldn't take it. Like I was literally feeling stressed out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, I'm fucking stressed out, yo. I'd never be able to do that shit in real life. Like, I mean, I guess you would because you have adrenaline and you're like, you trying to live, but God damn, this should age you. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a very, really, really tight. As far as that's concerned, I think, you know, I'm, for me it was fun to play just because I like those stealth kind of mechanics. But uh, I mean, just... From a game construction standpoint, it's brilliantly done. I yeah. mean, there's there's no there's no stone left unturned. There's no detail that wasn't detailed as far as the world, as far as the uh, the the levels that have been expanded. There are things that I tried to do that they did in the gameplay previews that I was able to do, like exactly how they yeah. how they showed. I it. mean, I think it was great. It was definitely immersive. I mean, when I was with you for you know, I, I would like to say the majority of the game. Yeah, two thirds. Like, you know, I, there were parts where I was like trying to help Marshall and shit, and I was like, oh, he right there, but like whispering and shit like that. And it's like, what the fuck am I whispering for? They can't hear me. I'm sitting there like, huh? <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's it's uh, and I streamed one episode of our play um of our playthrough when you were there with me when um I was trying to go that through that building as Ellie and the um the stalkers were in there and I was just like that that was the night I was just like yeah I'm not I'm I, I can't do this right now like I'm not I'm not about to start this whole another interaction with these stalkers and and I can't see them through the walls I can't do my listener mode and nothing because they don't show up and I'm like all right yeah, I'll, I'll do this shit tomorrow but if I if I was to if I was to put it on a 60 point scale I was I would, just about to say what would you give it out of 60 points a weird ass points <laughs> listen man we could do 10 point scale 100 point scale like everybody else but yeah 60 points out of 60 points I would give it 52 53 that's generous you think so yeah. I really liked it. Mm. I mean, The Last of Us is a 60. Mm, true. So, The Last of Us Part 2, I mean, at the very worst, I could go was 50. I mean, considering what, like I said, my expectations weren't, I think, what a lot of people's expectations were. Yeah. So, for me, it's never going to be as bad as it is for some people. It's never going to be as good as it is for some people. There are people that gave this game a legit 100. It's not that good for me. There are some things that they could have done better. And there are some things that I even appreciate in the sense of how it lets my mind try to do things different. Or, or, or I mean, it, it's a polarizing piece of art. It's a polarizing piece of I'd probably fiction. give it between like a forty-five and a fifty. I think. Okay, so I mean, we not we not really that far off. No, I think we're pretty much on the same page. All right, how long how long have we been talking? We're at hour number one. Oh, fifty-six fuck. minutes. 
All right, well, I mean, Ghost of Tsushima is all you because I did not really watch that at all. Indeed. So. Indeed. We will pivot now. Uh, we've given our grades. We've gone through the story and all that good stuff. Pretty in-depth, I think, as far as The Last of Us Part 2. Well, yeah, I don't think we like reviewed the story for real. We were just kind of talking about how it made us feel. Yeah, and, re- you know, yeah. Over, overview and discussion, yeah. you know. I mean, there are so many reviews out there. Like, we don't have to, you know, the game came out a month and a half ago. I don't think anybody was looking at, you know, be looking for that from us or whatever. And plus, I'm not like a legit game reviewer, but I could talk about how it made me feel. And then, you know, you were able to watch it with me. You actually did watch a little bit of Ghosts of Shishima, but um, I don't really think you were there for any of the story. No, I mean, I saw a lot of the how beautiful it was, but I like the storyline. I know nothing about. Okay, I wasn't really watching. Spoiler alert for uh from here on out for ghost of tsushima and and here's here's what we'll do babe because you didn't watch um as much but i think that you've watched me play a lot of games and maybe if you have any questions about anything that i say then you can present those to me but overall for uh ghost of tsushima fantastic game again a a studio from sony's first party this studio was um was the one that did infamous uh sly cooper uh, Sucker Punch Productions, longtime Stony-owned studio. I don't know how they're doing it on this hardware, making these games look as good as they do. Ghost of Tsushima is a crowning visual achievement. It's probably up there for me with Horizon Zero Dawn as far as the actual visuals that the that the engine is able to create. Really? I think it looks just as good as Horizon Zero Dawn. But I feel now, like The Last of Us looks better than Horizon. You do? I mean, yeah. So I would have put it more so on that. Ca- I mean, just I'm, I'm splitting hairs here. Like I just, it's it's definitely visually gorgeous. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. I think that I think that the comparison for me between Ghost of Tsushima and Horizon comes from them both being open worlds. As to where The Last of Us has a structure of levels, in a sense. Okay. So I'm not going to say it's easier to make that look good, but if I can, you know, go to a you know side area and just randomly take a photo and it just looks that good anytime from a part of the world where maybe you don't even expect players to be or spend time that's an achievement for me and for me it's on a different level i'm not going to say a higher level but just a different level than a game that has you know established levels or uh play areas or hallways that that they make for the player to go through yeah and 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 don't get it twisted like as far as visuals now i didn't play death stranding but i did see it like i said they're i mean sony's in a class by itself they're they're studios what they're able to do with this hardware that's you know getting towards the 10 years old from r&d to to, to now is just staggering um ghost of tsushima like you you look at it and just the different geographies and 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 different uh areas with you know the colors and and you know the 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 wind is just incredible and that's the first thing i want to i want to talk about because i know it's something that courtney can attest to just from watching me play now as far as the story uh ghost of sishima of course stars uh jen sakai who is something of the last samurai he is a samurai or lord um that is on sushima island which is one of the islands in japan and this is the first stop of the mongol invasion in the 11th century i believe and basically the samurai all get together to defend sushima 
and are decimated and completely wiped out, except for Jin, who was uh, rescued by a thief woman named Yuna, and his uncle, who is the lord of the island, Uncle Shimura, or uh, Lord Shimura, who was taken captive. So the premise the game begins with is you are the last samurai of Tsushima, and your job is to save this island from these Mongol invaders that outnumber you. They, you know, they've studied and read up on your tactics. They understand the honor code of the samurai. So they're able to predict every move that you make. They, they know your fighting style. They know, they know everything about you. They're, they're singularly purposed in destroying you. And it's a hopeless scenario to start out with because in the very beginning of the game, all your homies are wiped out. They're they're gone like all the other samurai. So you're you're let loose in this world and you eventually adopt tactics that are unbecoming. And a samurai would say you fight without honor because you don't look it in the eye of the man who you're killing face to face. You stab them in the back. You assassinate them. You you know you, you you throw a bomb at them or 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 a kudai and you, you you're not up close you're not you know so that was the main narrative thread for ghost of Tsushima is just jin's transformation from a man of honor a samurai and to something else basically right to to something quote-unquote beneath a samurai but really it's it has a lot of shades of uh batman for me particularly the dark knight where one of the themes of that film was not being what everybody wanted, but being what they need. Because, you know, these Mongols, they don't care about your honor. They don't care about their honor. They're here to eradicate you and to sit here and, and still be beholden to some to some to some collection of of movements or ideals that are only going to hinder you and lead to your to your extinction, your genocide is foolish. And I agree with Jen and I agree with, uh, I think most other people like you got to adapt or die. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of what samurai do in their honor code is like, all right, well, we'll die. We'll die with honor, but you're still dead. So there is that duality and there, there, there's that journey that Jen had to go on. Like, yo, like what, what's worth more, my honor or the lives of my people. It was interesting. And like I said, it kind of had that Batman, type, that type of Last Samurai vibe for me. Great game. I mean, just the gameplay. Um, I was arguing with some friends about it, and I told them that, you know, the combat is not as good as something like Neo or Neo 2. But I, I see what they were trying to do, and I think they I think they achieved well what they were, what they were going for as far as the combat. You don't have multiple weapons. You just have your katana the whole game. And they, they, sup, they, they supplement that limit of weapons in stances and you have four different stances which are good against different <clears throat> different enemy types which i think is kind of binary and I, I wish that the system was a little bit more fluid or or allowed you to be more creative i thought you had a, um, a bow and arrow too well i mean as far as melee weapons i'm sorry yeah you do have a bow you have um like wind chimes you have firecrackers that you can use to distract people i mean jen has like i said he's 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 batman he's he has like a a belt full of shit that he can use at any given time for you know the situation um smoke bombs um sticky bombs two different arrow two different bows actually one long bow and one more short quick bow that you know can fire off multiple shots 
and longbow, which is like, you know, a sniper rifle kind of. He has a grappling hooks, you know, for, for traversal. Of course, he's got his horse. And and, and this, is, this is one of those games that a lot of people are going to compare to Assassin's Creed, which, Courtney, I know you loved, um, particularly Assassin's Creed 2. Um, and watch me play that. But this this is a game that also, I think, does a lot to be distinct within that genre. For example, there are no towers to climb to, like, open up areas of the map. The way they do it is the, the, the comparison that I've heard, I haven't played Far Cry, but the comparison that I've heard is Far Cry where you go and you empty out or you kill everybody in this settlement. And that opens up part of the map or you can actually physically walk through that part of the map and on on your world map it'll it'll reveal the path that you took um you know and varying things like that so i think sucker punch did as much as they could to be as distinct as they could but i i mean sometimes it is fair to say like this is assassin's creed in japan mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people have been asking for for years people have been saying like yo take take assassin's creed east like like the furthest furthest they've gotten is uh egypt and then they went to greece so i guess they were making their way over there yeah but you know they've had so many opportunities and now with assassin's creed valhalla coming out that's well, taken on in, north norse mythology uh, or or norse um norse areas you said i like two what was the first one uh, the first one was set in um, the first one's protagonist was Altair Ifan Alahad Iban Alahad. He was it was in the Middle East, oh, okay. But like way back, oh goodness, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's 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 the best I can think of right off the top of my head right now. Hmm. But then with Assassin's Creed Three, they came over to America during the Revolutionary War, and then Assassin's Creed Four, they were in the the islands. So two was the one where they were in Italy. Yes. Okay. Two was in Italy. So I mean, like I said, they've been slowly making their way towards uh, Asia, but this this is the this is the Asian or Japanese type of open world assassination game that we've all wanted, and they do really well to have you able to go into different um, fights the way that you want to, um, whether you want to do ghost tactics, which are, you know, more sticking to the shadows, stalking your prey, using your gadgets and um, assassinate, or you can basically just walk up to an encampment and call everybody out and say, come see these hands, Yeah, which is the samurai route. And one thing I really did like about this game too, um, that I don't think a lot of people have pointed out, is that you can earn all of the upgrades in this game in the, in one playthrough, which I don't think a lot of games still do, unless you like you know find every single little thing. But it was really refreshing to me to have like a fully maxed out skill tree. Now I do think that there's value. And not doing that because it, it, it varies up people's gameplay experiences. But I think that your skill tree has to work for that. Like, I think that you're, you know, there should be ways to be very powerful without having all the all of the upgrades. If that's how you want to play, if that's your build, per se. So the builds that I've seen for this game are just more about like, you know, armor and, and, and charms, which are like little stat bonuses that you can slot into your weapons. Um, but I do appreciate being able to be like, oh, OK, here's a skill. I can do that at any given time. I don't have to like respect and, you know, uh, redo my, my skill points, um, which I think is kind of cool for me. I think a new game plus would be cool if they added it. They didn't add it, but 
Um, essentially, you know, uh, to get back to the story, Jin, of course, rescues his uncle from the Mongols. They regroup. So they're teaming up now, you know, Lord Shimura and, and Jin Sakai. Um, and, the, you know, they start murking Mongols. But Jin is, of course, doing these ghost tactics. And his uncle is like, oh, what the fuck? Like, yo, like, you got to stop doing this shit because there's no honor in it. And the shogunate, who I answer to, is not going to be down for this shit. And Jin's like, yo, Unc, um, I'm trying to save our people. So, you know, they, they invariably have a parting of the ways. And Jin is actually captured by his uncle for his dishonorable tactics. And, of course, he escapes. Is that one of those things where, like, harken back to Batman where it's like, die a hero, live long enough to be a villain? Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, this game has a lot of parallels to that. Even coming down to, like, the final armor that you get in the game where he gets his ghost armor is, like, is basically like a black Batman suit. Like, oh, true. It's like, I mean, so it, it, for me, it's, 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 it's pretty obvious what they're going for here. So is he supposed to be, like, the creator of ninja tactics or something like that? Or were there already ninjas? That's basically what he becomes. He becomes, like, a proto-ninja. But I don't know where the ninja are at this point. Maybe they're on the mainland. I don't know. You don't see any other ninjas. So for lack of a better term, you could say like, yeah, Jin is the first ninja. Ninja samurai because he can still do samurai stuff. But so, yeah, him and his uncle part ways or whatever. Jin hunts the Mongols his way. His uncle does, you know, the honorable shit with varying levels of success. They're trying to get the big baddie of the game, who is the Khan, you know, who's in charge of the Mongol invasion for Tsushima. And, you know, ultimately he gets him and his uncle comes back and helps. And at the end of the game, your uncle is basically like, yo, meet me here because they have a strained relationship now. But there's a lot of love between these two men. Like Jin's parents died when he was young and his uncles raised him. So there's like a lot of emotional pull different directions for both these guys. And you can see that the the performances were really good. The Japanese performances were great. The American voice actors were great. Um, and the entire cast is done by uh, Asian actors, which is, you know, it's all you, you like to see it. So there's there is just that that kind of pull on the heartstrings a little bit because, you know, that Lord Shimura doesn't want to ostracize his nephew. Like, he tries to adopt him at one point in the game. And basically, the Shogun is like, yo, this this nigga's doing, he's doing the most. Like, you gotta, you gotta put him down. You know what I mean? Because as a samurai, you take an oath to uphold your honor and your tactics, I guess. And Jin said, fuck that, because my honor and tactics is getting people killed. And I want my people to live. Um, so Jen, you know, he takes on that burden to say like, all right, if I keep doing this, I'm going to be hunted because, you know, niggas want me to, 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 to die a certain way. And if I'm dead, who's going to protect the people? So, um, really, really, I mean, I think the story for me was a lot better than I had expected going in, but I think it's still in, in a sense, uh, a very much of a, a, um, a samurai flick. Like it's it's basically a samurai movie or a samurai saga because you got three acts. So I think I think it could be a samurai trilogy. And you know at the end they they, they get the Khan you know kill that nigga he's, he's offed, and then <laughs> okay. they have like this final this this final duel between Lord Shimura and Jin because Lord Shimura has been tasked with killing Jin. Like, all right, you know, he kept doing it. You know, we, we got to put him down. So they have this duel, and of course you're playing as Jin, so you win the duel. 
And the choice that they present to you at that point is to take your uncle's head or let him live. And uh, at the end of my first playthrough, I let him live. So, you know, there's that. And, you know, you got a ragtag group of uh, allies and friends that you do missions for that help you. You know, it, it, it's an open world mission based game. So I think there are some things that this game does that are very typical. But also, I do want to give it its props for doing things differently as well. Great game. I think overall, I'll probably say uh, Ghost of Tsushima for me was like a 45 yeah. out of 60. I can't give it. I can't give it a number assignment because, again, I wasn't really watching. And most of the things I saw that I thought were beautiful were offhand things like when you were riding your horse to get to certain places and going through like fields and stuff mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. and watching like you interacted with the environment in that way or like when you said oh did I show you this and like you showing me things you know but other than that yeah I wasn't really paying attention unfortunately yeah and I think my my rating is probably a little bit lower than how much I love this game but I'm rating it that because of how much I love Japanese culture and samurai and I I mean even the fact that you only have one one melee weapon like I like that I like katanas like I like the way that they were able to vary the combat up through the stance system even though I don't think it was done as fluidly as something like Neo where you can play Neo the entire game with one katana um, but you just have three stances but it works with all enemies so it's just about you know how you want to fuck this person up basically um and sometimes you know high stance and neo is good to break off demons horns and things like that or get a get a good shot in but the way that neo does it is that the stances are more about your play style rather than dictated by enemies that you encounter so if you want to use high stance it's slower and powerful mid stance is is pretty even um offense and defense but they do more um, horizontal attacks so they do more sweeping attacks and then low stance is like quick and you know doesn't do a lot of damage but it's great for combos so I think for me that's 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 like the final form of a stance system but of course you know um, Ghost of Tsushima had to be different and you know they wanted to be and, and I think they pulled off pretty well what they were going for I would be interested if they ever, ever did a sequel or a spiritual successor to Ghost of Tsushima how the stance system can evolve and become a little bit more fluid and a bit more open so that you can just you know kind of create your own combos or or your own interactions the standoff system will never get old like I said you walk up to people and just say come see these hands and they start to see <laughs> this this um this sequence where basically you hold the button and you release it when your enemy opens himself up and you can like one shot people up to like five people with that but if you let go at the wrong time then they do damn near fatal damage to you so there's like risk reward factor to that mostly through the game you unlock this stance called ghost stance where he basically can just walk up and one shot anybody which is cool um visually um, and it really, it really harkens back to that Batman feeling, like where you're just creating terror, because people you see and they see you in the ghost stance and they just bitching at that point, like, oh my god, the ghost. I'm like, so I, I get it, and I'm and I'm cool with it. Like I I'm very cool with a Japanese Batman. We um Courtney put me onto this this OVA called Karas that kind of had that feeling for me. This this protector of the city, this protector of the of the people and Karas was much more, much more supernatural of a, of a OVA. 
but still, you know, this guy transformed in, into his 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 raven suit, which was basically what caught us. Like he has this raven suit, it's black. He's got a katana. He's like he's like a wizard. You know what I mean? He's got different spells that he can do. He can transform, and. I'm always down with that protector of the people thing. Cause like Courtney said, like Batman is one of my favorite superheroes anyway, but I also like it when they actually have fucking powers like they do in Karas. So if you haven't watched OVA Karas, K-A-R-A-S, it's visually stunning. It's beautiful. It's dope as shit. Great action sequences. Um, yet another one that Courtney put me on to. So uh, I was really happy uh-huh. with that. But that's that's the feeling that I, that I get from Ghost of Shishiba. Great game. Like I said, I mean, and I love that culture. I love, you know, writing haikus and, and stuff like that. And, you know, my friends, my friends like, yeah, Marshall, you you know, you're a writer, you're a poet. I know your haikus is banging. And I'm like, man, I just picked some random shit. Like, I was just trying, I was just trying to get through it. And it's, it's, it's been fun for me. Like, I streamed it a few times, and I really can't wait. Like, I, after I played it, I spent almost 55, 60 hours, so I kind of fell off of it to let Courtney, you know, watch her shows or whatever, which I'm sure she'll get into in a bit because she's been watching some stuff, and, you know, so I'm really excited to get back on that. What else? I think that's the end of our Ghost of Sushima review. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't have too much to offer as I didn't really watch it, but I know that you very much so enjoyed it, so I'm happy that you did, and it was definitely, from what I saw, visually stunning, so. Yeah, rest in peace to the first horse, man. <laughs> Yeah, you were you were very upset about that. Yeah, you had to do that, man. And then he just kept riding, and you know he rode until until he couldn't until he until he died. Basically, he's like, "Yo, I'm gonna get my master where he need to be." And then, you know what I mean, like I'm gonna check, and you buried him, and you could still go back to his grave. Like, um, it's a, it's a checkpoint. <laughs> in the game on the map so it's just like you know and, and there were other people that passed away in the game as well it's 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 kind of a heavy game without being a heavy game because you walk around Sushima and you see like dead mutilated bodies probably innocent people that just came across mongols and the mongols just fucked them up and put them on spikes and shit like this this is a grim view of of war and and you know of people that are just basically coming to eliminate you so it's like when you talk about honor and all this shit like like they know what we're gonna do we gotta do something different and fuck my honor because my honor is not going to i'd rather have my life than some antiquated code that is only going to get people killed and there were a lot of exchanges in ghost of Shishima where lord shimura is about to do quote unquote the honorable samurai thing and Jen is just like yo like you about to get people pop like stop like let me go in and infiltrate you know let me ninja this shit because it's going to save more lives and there's a downside to it too like Jen uses this poison to clear out this camp and you know it's a risk but he's he, he felt like his hand was forced and you know the downside is that after he used his poison you know the Mongols came back and figured out how he made it and then they started using it against them. So, you know, it's always a risk reward. There's always positives and negatives to any any type of warfare. But, you know, ultimately it could be argued that Jin's methods saved more people. And I think that's what's important to him. And, you know, as a, as a patriot that he is, I think that was the most important thing to him was to where a lot of the samurai are just like, yeah, you know, we'll defend it using our way. And if that don't work, then we basically ain't meant to be here. And Jen's like, no, like niggas got a niggas got a right to live. Like, um, great game, very highly influenced by like old, you know, 
samurai action films there's actually a mode in the game called kurosawa mode that is like all black and white filter to uh pay homage to uh akira kurosawa who influenced a lot of what they're doing for this game so i haven't really tried that yet i use it sparingly i think it's kind of criminal to turn off all the color on this game um, it is pretty vibrant yeah so you know that that mode didn't really jive with me but i know a lot of people really enjoyed it and it's it's something you could turn off and on at your leisure but i just i never really um mess with it but yeah so um ghost of Tsushima is very highly recommended if you love samurai if you love you know action uh melee action games open world uh the photo mode is incredible i haven't even started playing with that yet to be honest with you because i just feel like everybody's taking photos of it they don't need mine i don't have that i don't have that artistic vision i mean but that's just for you right yeah yeah but i mean what do you do with a photo you show it to people that's true you know I, i i haven't been a big fan of like photo modes or overall like i think the one that I played with the most was Spider-Man. Um, oh, that's true. You did. You took a lot of pictures with that yeah, one. Yeah, Spider-Man was really, really dope. So I, I, I might get into it, you know, if I'm able to uh, get that platinum. But yeah, so you know, we uh, we did a little did a little revisiting of of two fantastic games that I've been able to play in the past month. You know, any anything else, babe? What's going on with you? I, I mean, you gotten back to a couple of shows that we started. We started got a high school. We watched yeah, that first episode. Yeah, the first two episodes. I started watching Bones again. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's really would be considered nerdy, but whatever. Um, so I've been binging that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it for me that I can think of. I think we have an announcement, but we'll we'll announce it in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, besides that. But yeah. yeah, we've taken <laughs> up a lot of our time. Yeah, that has taken up a lot of um, our time. But yeah, you know, for me, just, you know, I'm still trying to be the very best in Super Smash Brothers with my main uh, Zero Suit Samus, uh, like no one ever was. Got into Black Clover. Yeah. Well, got I guess I got back into Black Clover, um, but I've watched way more episodes with you than I did by myself, so... Yeah, I never watched Black Clover, but um, Courtney recommended it. Another one that she recommended. Almost and completely caught up with Hunter Hunter. I finished the... Um, Chimera Antark. Yeah. It was so. beautiful, and, and you were affected. Oh, yes, that's true. I guess I can't go without saying this. So I did, unfortunately, say to Marshall, I was like, yeah, this is up here. Like, it kind of filled the void uh, that Hannibal left. Like, it was good storytelling. Like... It's an excellent show. Like, just excellent. You heard it here, folks. Courtney has given her a stamp of approval on Hunter Hunter and even mentioned it in the same breath as the esteemed Hannibal, her favorite show of all it time. It was just stuff that was going on. I was like, this is good, this is good as fuck. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, Hunter <laughs> like, Hunter. not just entertaining. I was like, oh, this is fucking good. And I, I was really excited for you because I was like, yo, like, Hunter Hunter just keeps getting better. And you were in the York New Arc. And you kind of fell off. And I'm like, all right, I kind of understand that. Because the York New Arc is really good. But I feel like Hunter Hunter, the Chimera Ant arc in itself, after watching everything else and, and learning these characters and getting to the point that they are, it's just chef's kiss, man. Like, it's it's <laughs> like, I, I can't I Indeed. can't speak better on it. And, and it's why Hunter Hunter, I don't, did we do a favorite anime episode? I think we did. We did. Well, kind of. Okay, well. That's why Hunter Hunter is like one of my favorite anime of all time because it just keeps getting better to the point where you're just like, how can anything be this good? And I'm really, really happy that you got to see it. And we're, 
you know, you're you're in your uh, bones bag now with uh, with David Boreanaz and uh, Emily. Yep, Emily Deschanel. Emily Deschanel, and um, I, I mean, I like Bones too. It's not something that like I follow as much, but I'll ask Courtney questions and she'll be like. Yeah, she'll answer them, but it's really like, shut the fuck up, I'm watching. Well, no, it's but, not even that. It's just, so I watched Bones before, but it was just like sporadically. Yeah. And so now I'm getting into the part where like, I remember some shows, but again, it was sporadic. So other shows, it's like, I didn't watch. So it seems like those be the ones that you ask me like, oh, what happens in this one? And it's like, I don't, I don't know. Well, and uh, hopefully at some point we'll get back to uh, Black Clover and what else? I don't know, man. You know, and NBA just came back. Sixers took that first L in the bubble. That sucks. Uh, NFL training camps are on and popping. No preseason this year. So we'll see how that works out. We'll see if the NFL is able to have a season, really. You know, as a as, as a diehard Eagles fan, I would love to see it. But, you know, with that many players, that many coaches, that many staff, it's going to be very difficult to keep everybody safe. So you got people opting out. You know, I respect it. I don't believe any players should have to explain themselves about why they're opting out. Um, it's a pandemic. What the fuck you, like, fuck out my face. And it's not like they're still getting paid. Like, they, they, they're, you know, basically giving up their salary for the year. Um, their contracts are put on pause. So, I mean, like, what do you want from them? Like, it's not like they're not working and still getting paid like you don't have to pay them so they have that option to opt out if they don't feel safe so people got families you know stuff like that so what else what else uh so it looks like we've just been doing a lot of just adulting and you know being a part of other people's lives and stuff and trying not to get you know contract or give anybody covid you know yeah yeah and this is 2020 Rest in peace to uh to my family cat Diggy. He had to be put down um the other day. Yeah, I had him since I was in high school and he was keeping my grandma in company, you know, because she's the only one in the house now because everybody grew up and left. Um so hopefully, you know, rest in peace to him. He lived a good life, he was already taken care of. Part of the family for years, so just wanna say that and yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I got today, bitch, unless you got anything else. Oh. Well, I'll tell y'all what, man. We'll figure out a name for this episode. We'll have it out to y'all on Friday, Blurred Day, just like we always do. Make sure y'all do us a favor. Like, share, subscribe. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at BLWMWPod. Yeah, at BLWMWPod on Twitter. On Instagram, you can find us at Blurred Life with my wife. Check all your favorite podcast services. We in there, man. Just type in Blurred Life with my wife. Guarantee you we're the only hit that comes up because our name is super dope and uh, super unique. Shout outs to everybody who's been paying attention to the show and listening and supporting. Uh, we got our first Canadian listeners this past week. Oh, wow. Know, analytics, you know, came up. It was like north of the border, eh? So really appreciate you guys. I really oh, thank wow. you. Um, for listening in some more um some more analytics pa is leading with listenership right now of course um that's where we live and maryland is number two oh, in shit. listenership dmv in the US. i know so, i can count on y'all definitely shout out to the dmv definitely shout out to the pa jersey delaware area you know where we call home and um man this is is uh been real cool man we want to try to keep everything up for y'all we haven't missed a week yet 
So uh, keep in mind that, you know, keep seeing us. We did do a guest hosting spot on um, I'll Talk If You Listen podcast with Tim. Definitely check our social media. You'll see the links there. Yeah, Great conversation. Fun. Tim over there at I'll Talk If You Listen. Make sure y'all follow I'll Talk If You Listen as well. It's a really good podcast to listen to. Tim is just a, a, a real cool cat. Known it's a lot more wholesome than ours. Um. <laughs> Tim's very... Um, I appreciate it though. It was good. Yeah, well, Tim's a smart dude, man, and, he, and the topics that he comes up with and the discussions that he has, he hosts he hosts the show alone, which is you know I always uh, say tip my hat off because it's difficult to it's difficult to maintain that energy by yourself, um, and he does it swimmingly. So definitely big uh, shout out to him for having us. Hopefully, we'll get him on at some point when we start having guests, whenever that is. But otherwise, man, that's that's pretty much all the uh, housekeeping items. I think, yeah, I think that would be, uh, I think that'd be it for us today, babe. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate you giving me some time, time with you this week. Yeah, um, I think definitely a great show, and we will see you guys in the next one. Bye.